0: And this headline comes to us uh, in from Hamilton, and it's troubling. and it involves the, uh, a psychologist who a judge decided and ruled, lied about her credentials. and it happened in four different cases that she was directly involved in, where several children ended up being removed by, uh, you know from their family homes. So this is one of those stories where again, years of deception and likely a low, lack of oversight will reveal a path of destruction for a number of families. Uh, whose lives have been destroyed by destroyed by the doctor. And earlier testimony had revealed that the psychologist testified as an expert in more than 100 assessment cases, you know, cases where children were taken from their homes between 2009 and 2016. In one case alone, all five children were taken and put into foster care. And it was co- based on this expert's opinion who claimed, you know, she was a clinical psychologist and she did so to increase her credibility, but she was not a clinical psychologist. She was not qualified to make such massive decisions or to offer expertise. But how did she qualify? When you're an expert and you're called to testify, they are questioned by both the defense, the crown, and, you know, it's to see if they are in fact an an expert. They get credentials, they get resumes, they get cases, they get proof, and then the judge will sign off and say, yep, you're an expert. Did it happen here? I mean, how is this missed? And are there any other so-called experts in this particular area where, you know, kids are being taken from their parents? Who knows? Because what I think this case really, really reveals is that there's no real oversight. There doesn't seem to be any rules in this particular area of child care of what makes an expert. Now, Jarvis runs a family law firm in the Halton region. She also works in child protection, and she represented one of the families impacted by this. And I think the obvious question here, Ms. Jarvis, is this has got to be absolutely devastating for your clients. Can you you kind of contextualize or characterize what they have been through?
1: Well, firstly, it's always devastating for all parents that are involved in a child protection matter, particularly if the society has taken their children into their care. So you have children uh, parents that are um, quite distressed to begin with. Um, for them to later find out that the assessor that was proposed by the society and accepted by the court and that did the assessment was later found not to be credible or to have the necessary credentials, I think it's, it's quite distressing.
0: Well, it is because if you work in the courts, as you well know, uh, to qualify an expert, they have to be questioned and they have to qualify in that position, otherwise they're not an expert. It begs the question, how could she have become an expert and been able to testify as one when it was so clear that the credentials were not earned?
1: Well, the difficulty I think stems from the fact that once they get the designation as an expert, yeah, and then you check the case law, and it says she's an expert, the court's holder is an expert, she holds herself out as an expert, um, it, it's difficult to shake that once she's been designated as an expert, particularly when she's been practicing and providing expert reports in as many cases as she had been involved in.
0: Certainly, and for the people who find themselves accused, once that expert speaks, and certainly when dealing with a Children's Aid Society, wherever that might be, those families who are uh, implicated, it's a David versus Goliath fight because it's their word versus the experts. And in the case of the so-called expert, um, they didn't stand really a chance. So, you know, the system is is big, but it certainly is tough to fight once you find yourself accused.
1: Well, we don't really use the word accused, but the parents who who are involved in the child protection matters are often the most vulnerable or marginalized members of the society. Right. You know, these are people that are dealing with poverty issues, inadequate housing or daycare, relationship issues, health concerns, and sometimes mental health or substance abuse issues. So already they're, you know, in in a vulnerable situation. And then you're right, to come up against the society. And again, the society, remember, we've got to remember, is there for the protection of children.
0: Right. How do, given your expertise dealing with family situations and certainly the area of children... Can they recover from this? I mean, once you've taken a child from their home and broken that trusting relationship and the, the safety they feel, how do they rebuild?
1: Well, many, many parents that have had their children taken from them, uh, they take programs. Sometimes they take parenting programs. Sometimes it's therapeutic access programs. Sometimes it's uh, getting involved in uh Aaa or different programs designed to deal deal with substance issues. Uh, Sometimes it's just getting medication for a medical mental health issue. Uh, It could be just mostly programming or treatment. And sometimes it's just that they've made that one error. You know, like all parents, they they've just done something they knew they shouldn't have done. Maybe they slapped the child inappropriately, or maybe you know they sent the child to school on one day. uh, You know. Not dressed
0: properly, right? And and, but when you find yourself having your child taken away from you, I mean that has to be devastating, not just for the parents but for the child. So any child who was taken out of the home because of this so-called expert, they'll they'll have a lifetime uh, of damage, no?
1: Well, you have to consider uh, the risk to the child. So sometimes it is necessary for the society to have taken a child from a parent if the child is at immediate risk. So, you know, there are are cases where it is necessary for the society to step in. But you are right. Um, When a child is removed from the parent's care, it does cause, you know, uh, great emotional distress both the child and to the parents because you lose the daily interaction, which is the cornerstone of family life. Right. Uh, So, yeah, that's right, that is incredibly. And I think that is where I see the problem with these assessments, is in many cases the society will uh, rely on that assessment, uh, and it negatively impacts the parent's ability to have unsupervised access or an increase in access. Often it's relied upon to reduce, terminate, or stagnate the parent's access to the children before that assessment can be tested or challenged through cross-examination. So it's not only the end result that's affected, it's, it's an, it has an effect in the middle of the proceeding as well. Sure. Um, because often the society will be taking the right steps. They'll be moving towards reintegration of the family, um, putting the child back with the family, and then this assessment comes out and the society will rely on that assessment, particularly if it says that the, the parents could never parent or can't parent safely. So. I,
0: th- I think one of the takeaways that I have when I, when I read through this is that there doesn't seem to be real oversight, um, or really rules of what makes an expert. So do you do you see this, that there could be a systematic problem here? I mean, we don't really know the extent the that the doctor's recommendation, recommendations in this particular case, how many kids were affected. I mean, but one is already too many. Are we looking at a situation uh, where we could be having hundreds of kids that have been involved, it, not just this particular doctor, but across the board?
1: You could have thousands. I mean, when you when you see the use of assessments, uh, they're used as evidence in child protection proceedings, and it has serious implications for the fairness of those proceedings well before it gets to trial.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, you get the assessment, it can change the course of the proceedings, mm-hmm. it can prevent the parent from having the opportunity to parent the child or from the opportunity to illustrate how they've improved as a parent. And I really believe that an independent review board needs to take a good, look-hard look at these assessments and the assessors. Uh, I think one of the questions they need to look at is, was the assessment conducted in a fair, independent, nonpartisan, above-board and unbiased manner? Did the assessor challenge information received from the parents, the third parties, and from the society? I mean, I. I I don't think an assessor should be just regurgitating information from one of the parties. I think they really need to sit down and critically review the information and challenge it. The other questions I think that need to be answered by the board is, uh, was there a proper methodology? used in conducting the assessment, including as it relates to the observation, I mean, who did the observations of the family, the testing, who did the different medical, uh, psychological or medical testing, Um, who wrote the report, who did the revisions, or was it a term approach? Because sometimes we see that parts or the majority of the assessment was conducted by someone who was not qualified or competent to do so, Mm -hmm. even though there's a specific assessor assigned, somebody from their office or their team does the majority of the work, or some of the work I also think that the parents need to have independent legal representation, and many don't.
0: Which is crazy. It's crazy to it's me crazy. That, that a lot of these parents likely who are, as you say, marginalized uh, or simply don't have the money, that they don't have representation because it's probably the most important time you would need representation because, as you say, you're fighting the system. But when you say thousands could possibly be affected, my heart kind of just jolted because it kicks to mind or it brings to mind this massive scandal that sick kids just went through where a research program called Mother Risk, you know, they were taking hair samples of hundreds of pregnant women and it was discredited testing but it ended up being used as evidence and many many up to 50 children were taken from their homes based on faulty testing and now they're reviewing thousands of cases and so when you hear this case that's what comes to mind
1: well it does and i think that not only do you need to know was the assessor qualified did he use the proper mythology, but yeah. then there's the there's the structure of the assessment itself, and i I always wondered uh, who determined it's usually the society who proposes the assessor, uh, but did the parents have that choice? Did mm-hmm. they decide did they have an option? Um, and then I also want to look at who the assessor interviewed, what was being assessed, who who was included in ongoing communications, uh, and what documents were given to, by the assessor and by whom. Because in many cases, if the party is not represented, the society will take a lead role.
0: Yeah, which is which is wrong. And uh, and sadly, I don't think a lot of parents understand that they, they do have rights and they need to be educated on that. Just before I let you go, uh, Ms. Jarvis, is there anything that this family, is there any compensation, is there something moving forward that at least they will will uh, be able to recover here?
1: Well, she does have two of the children in her care. Um, And the the Ontario College of Psychologists, there was a complaint registered. Uh, We understand that um, they may not be prepared to provide guidelines or specify the training, education, experience that a psychologist conducting a parent capacity or psychological assessment is required to have. And I think that an independent review board needs to do this to protect mm. the public.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. Well, it's a fascinating case, and I'm glad uh, you were able to join us to explain it, because the implications, I think, of this are, are too large uh, to be comfortable with letting the headline go. Thank you, Ms. Jarvis, for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. That is uh, Nova Lee Jarvis here on Point on Global News Radio.